Rant and Rave is brought to you by Andrews Technology Group. Make sure you hit them up at A-N-D-R-E-W-S Technology Group.com. DJs, promoters, small business owners, get your technology and website needs met. Hey, Soka lovers, it's Soka Say So. And this chick. And we're back for episode five of the special limited series. We have a collection of interviews with people around the world telling us what they think of the global Black Lives Matter movement. In this episode, we're talking to Michelle Matthews Morancy of MAM Squared in Trinidad. She's going to tell us about her organization and why she thinks the recent comments by the commissioner of police are dangerous. We hope you enjoy the episode. I am talking to Michelle Matthews Morancy of MAM Squared, based in Trinidad, but she has also lived in the U.S., so she has a, a dual perspective on the Black Lives Matter movement. And so, Michelle, I want to first get into just what you are doing, what your company does, so that people understand your your business and how you're trying to help the people. Sure. Um, good morning, and thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> so, what I do in Trinidad is Mam Squared has a suite of growing businesses that all work to try to empower and um, contribute to the economic development of Trini citizens and the Trini society by and large. So um, we do, through Agitate Media, we do NGO and um, small business capacity building via workshops, virtual short courses, um, coaching in a number of areas. My background is in um, journalism. And so we do strategic communications, fundraising, governance, all that kind of stuff Um, through another one of our subsidiaries, Mogirls Global. We um, host camps and educational programs for girls ages 8 through 16. It's an empowerment through entrepreneurship program that uses our learn through play model. and through Carnival Agitators, we try to highlight uh, our experience of Trinidad Carnival and show that to visitors. We really want people to love Trinidad the way we love Trinidad and um, to experience the things that are intrinsically Trinbagonian when they come here, things that cannot be exported. Um, and so we work really hard to highlight um, those aspects of our culture so that not only does the do, does Trinidad economically benefit, but people who come here um, develop a rich love and appreciation for what our culture offers in the way of carnival and beyond. I love that. I actually did a study abroad in Trinidad. Um, I was based at UE at Milner Hall, St. Augustine mm-hmm. campus. Um, and we studied Trinidad carnival culture and history. And we were there for five months. I think that's something that people don't understand right now. They just kind of fly in, you know, you jump up, you wave, you go play mass and then you leave and you don't really understand all the representation of culture in carnival, the midnight robber, you go to the Kaiso tents. We went to Mayaro, saw the stick nice. fighting, all of that is part of it. 
it yeah it it makes such a big difference because when you're actually on the road now everything kind of exactly I think people miss that there is a bigger culture like people think oh let me go to Trinidad Carnival it's one big party and yes there is that right but um what's interesting about Trinidad Carnival is it in of itself is a revolutionary act right and and I think mm-hmm. that people miss that when we export elements of our carnival but it's not understood that carnival in of itself came out of protest and came out of rioting and these and now that we enjoy it so freely I think when you put it in the context of from whence it came, it gives you an even richer appreciation of the freedoms that we have today. Absolutely. And like you said, you know, it comes from the riots. We studied all about the Cambalay riots. Um, There's a lot of uprising and protests to kind of just own your own destiny, own your culture. Uh, So let's get into what is happening right now in Trinidad. Uh, we're seeing it here. I'm based in Brooklyn. We are seeing it in the U.S. Um, stories are coming out that there was an ins- instance of police brutality and that three young men were killed. And now there's this uprising that's happening. What are you seeing since you are based in Trinidad? What's right. Well, there? that is the yes, that's the basis of the the. Uh, uprising and the riots that have been happening this past week. Um, just t- if we go back about two or three weeks ago, right, we were looking at what's happening in the States and there were some small protests in solidarity with um, in solidarity with the U.S. and uh based on what happened to George Floyd, there were quite a few protests happening outside of the U.S. embassy, right? And the people protesting were more what you would call of the bourgeoisie um, or our middle class because they could clearly see the links or I shouldn't say the links. They could clearly see what was wrong in the state you know, the social ill of racism in the States and how that impacts Black Americans and they thought it necessary to go out and protest. Some people locally did not see that, right? They didn't see the links and they thought that it was a follow fashion protest and blah, 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 right? Fast forward to this past week and we are having our own uprising and our own protests happening in underserved communities like Mova and Beetham Gardens. And then people not only do not see the link between what is happening, which is ultimately police abuse of force, not only do they not see the link, they sound an awfully uh, awful lot like um our white racist American friends, I I did air quotes, right? Um, (laughs) Talking about, you know what I mean? Those people and why don't those people just behave? Um, And so there's been a lot of that. Like you said, the stem of the protests um, is because black police officer was killed. And then um, police, are automatically get more aggressive 
right? When one of their own is taken. And that's understandable. We know it also happens abroad, right? It is a deep offense um, when a police officer loses his or her life on duty. And what happens here often is when that happens, police aggressively go after what are called hotspot areas. Um, I refer to them as underserved communities. Um, and that's what happened in this case. They went into MOVA. I think those young men were from MOVA. They suspected that they were the ones responsible for the killing of the officer. And they went ham. These men, um, all reports point to, all witness accounts and reports point to the fact that these men went were surrendering, hands up. They were unarmed and police killed them anyway. Mm. Right. And that is what sparked protests in these areas. These residents of these underserved communities are saying, we are not going to take this anymore. This kind of police overreach, this kind of um, disregard for our rights. No, we don't think that the police officer being killed was okay. That's not what we're saying. But we're saying, take these men to justice, arrest them, put them in jail, let them go before mm -hmm. a magistrate. Police cannot continue to play judge, jury, and executioner in our communities and to abuse us without any um, recourse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That completely makes sense. I mean, obviously, that is what's happening here. Um, I am familiar with the area, and you know, I'm pretty sure this is not the first time that the police have overreached. Why do you think that this is getting this this kind of reaction? I mean, people are are protesting in the streets. They're setting tire fires to kind of block roadways. Why do you think it's getting that kind of? Response? Well, uh, to be fair. Yes, police overreach all the time, but these communities, this is not the first time I've seen something like this since I've been living in Trinidad. And I've been, I moved to Trinidad in 2011, right? So it's not the first time I'm seeing the tire burning and the, um, you know, stoning. It's the first time I think I've seen looting and, and and rioting to a certain extent but people are pissed you know what I mean they're rightfully upset mm -hmm. their rights are constantly trampled on in these communities and nobody cares right and so knowing that people here care and have shown care and concern for people across the water right for and, mm -hmm. and feel solidarity with Black Americans about what's happening there and cannot feel solidarity with their own right here in Trinidad, I think that hurts. And I think that also has compelled people to turn to the streets to say, hey, it's happening right here, right here. And, and nobody is saying anything. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's okay. This is part and parcel for us living in underserved communities as though we had a choice in that. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what we have heard from much of the middle class is those people need to behave better. They break any law. This is not the way to protest. And what I am saying, what I, I've been very um, outspoken online about this because I think it's important to keep the same energy. If you can um, clearly see and speak out about the injustices happening in America at the hands of the police, whether or not the police look like us or not, the hand of the oppressor can still look like you, right? And I think what is happening here is like, we are, we very much fall into colonial, this colonial respectability Mm. politics thing where um, you have to, act a certain way, speak a certain way, look a certain way to be accepted and live in a certain place to be accepted by the greater society. And if you do not, if you are not willing to conform, then you are made to be the problem. Hmm. So right now what's happening is there's the class exactly. issue then, because like you said, these are, are definitely underserved communities um, Laventil, you know, I had said before, this is the first time I've ever seen the poor people mm-hmm. living in the hills, um, having, having those views and things like that. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see that there are people within their own country, but also within their own sphere, you know, living next to each other and saying, well, you're wrong. You shouldn't be protesting this way. Right, you, you shouldn't, shouldn't be, be doing that. But I will all. say, I wouldn't have heard about it though. I wouldn't have heard about it out here. If they hadn't. <laughs> exactly. Because prote- I, so my answer to that is always that protest is not supposed to be nice, neat, and look a certain way. The idea of protest is to be disruptive. If everybody is comfortable mm-hmm. with your protest, you're not doing it right. What is mm-hmm. the point? You know what I mean? If, and, and I think that is where some... Um, people locally are upset. Well, you shouldn't um, be disrupting how I get to work or how I live my normal life or whatever. You could protest, but keep it over there where I can't see it or feel it or be touched by it or be inconvenienced by it. And, you know, I'm just going to call bullshit on that. Sorry. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If, you weren't being touched by it. If you weren't inconvenienced by it, would we be having the conversation about what are the rights of these citizens that are being trampled on? Why are these people taken to the streets? Why are they burning tires and um, wood and pelting stones or whatever the case may be? And um, sorry, Deanna, there's one killing that we did not um talk about uh, that I forgot to raise um Mm -hmm. so there are three men who are suspected criminals but also during one of the protests um a young woman who was pregnant a mother of four with another one on the way was killed and sorry was shot and ultimately succumbed to her injuries and died Wow. Right. And what 
what has irked me to my core has been the response from other women of a different class who live in different neighborhoods. Like, well, what she was doing any protests. If she wasn't any protest, then um, she and she child would be safe. But she didn't care about she child. She didn't care about herself. So she did. So who cares? Is basically what I've been seeing online. And I'm telling you, it makes my skin crawl and my blood curdle. Right. Because I think what people mm. do not understand is today for them. Right. But tomorrow for us. Right. So mm -hmm. if we do not nip this police overreach situation in the bud, it could be us when the police determine that something we have done or said doesn't align with what they think is right. We could be next. And I am not so daft as to think that that cannot be the case. And I don't want it to get to that. It's not even, I am concerned. I'm deeply concerned about my fellow citizens who live in these underserved communities. Um, Melissa and I, Melissa is my twin sister and business partner. We work quite closely um, in some of those communities, um, training community action councils. And we've seen time and time again, uh, where elements of the system that keeps these communities poor and underserved and lacking in resources um, undermine or thwart efforts for them to move forward and advance. So we know, I know uh, firsthand that these are systemic issues. So I'm not going to entertain conversation where people are looking down on and blaming the people who live in these communities for the situation that they live in and under, right? People can easily say, well, if crime wasn't so rampant in those areas, then police wouldn't be so charged up. Are we really not going to hold the police to a higher standard than we do the average citizen? They are agents of the state and they are part of the system that keeps these people continually um, oppressed just because um, the vast majority of us are of color or or are black people doesn't mean that we are not participants in this system that keeps people who look like us largely who look like us down. People who live in certain areas are not able to access jobs like. People who live in areas like Laventil and Mulva beat them. When you go for a job, you're hesitant if to be truthful about where you actually live because you may not get a call back and those kinds of things. Like those issues are prevalent and have been, right? They've been coming up much like um, how Black people in America keep being killed. Um, and it springs up and then there's uprising and then it kind of quells and it's, you know what I mean? Then it happens again. And it, this, it's been cyclical. It's been happening. Right. And I think people are saying, no, no more. Let's deal with this issue right now. 
right? And it's not helpful for other citizens um, who have not experienced what they have experienced to say to them, you need to behave better. You need to speak better. You need to not live where you live. Like that, I mean, it doesn't make sense. The criminality that's happening does not start in these communities, right? Somebody is pumping money and guns into illegal trade in these communities. And if I lack for resources and somebody is willing to give me money to sell drugs for them or to run guns for them or to keep a certain system in place and that money helps me feed my family, of course, I'm going to, especially when I put down where I live and I can't get a a, um, legitimate job. Mm. You know what I mean? There's so mm. many factors at play that people, other people do not consider because they don't have to consider them, right? So it's like, go and get a job yeah. or pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm so f- sorry. I was about to curse. I am it's so okay. tired of hearing <laughs> that kind of rhetoric. I'm over yeah. it. Like, so over that kind of rhetoric because it is not helpful. I had an exchange, an online exchange just yesterday with someone who was like, oh, these single parents need to get a hold of their children. Um, You know, they're co-signing bad behavior from their children. And the government has put programs in place to help those people. But those people are so lazy and they don't want to work. And the programs are undersubscribed. And, like, she said that she was speaking from her lived experience. But I basically said, if that is your lived experience, it's bullshit, right? You have only dealt with a very small sector of the population in these areas and you're painting entire community swaths of hard work and individuals with a very broad brush and you're not offering any solutions right and because mm-hmm. it was very those people do this and those people do that and I had to bring facts to the table. The fact is that the the government benefits from keeping certain people in a position in a position of poverty, right? Not this government administration in particular, but the Trinity government in general. There are definitely government officials embroiled in bubble right, that keeps the money and the guns, like semi-automatic weapons flowing into these communities. And the the criminal element is a very small percentage of the people who live in these areas. There are people who are, the vast majority of the people are hardworking citizens who work for the government service, who work um, as lawyers, who are um, community doctors, who are, you know what I mean? They just have, they own their properties. Maybe they've gotten it from, um, through family inheritance or through um, HDC, which is like our housing 
are public, like, I don't know, really know how to describe HDC in a way that can be understood. Like the government does housing schemes, but it's not really like projects. It's like, like what the U.S. government would have done for white Americans in the 50s after the war. Right. Where they're yeah. providing some level of subsidized housing so that people can start owning something to pass down through their families. So it's affordable mm-hmm. housing then. Right. So there are people in these areas which may not have been as bad um, in terms of being considered hotspot areas when their grandparents or their parents before them um, acquired these homes through um, government subsidy. But now I own this home in this hot spot area. Am I going to leave and have to rent or take out a, another mortgage? Or am I going to stay and work to build up the community I live in? Um, and mm-hmm. they do they they do work to build up the community the, that they live in. There these community action councils and neighborhood groups who create programs for the kids. They make sure that the public grounds are taken care of. But nobody talks about that. If you hear people from other areas talk about it, you would think that only criminals res- reside in these areas, and so the police. Um, brutality and the way that citizens who live at certain addresses are treated is deserved and they bring it on themselves. And that is not the case. And even if I, this may be a radical view, but my position is even if they were all evil criminals acting crazy out in these streets, visiting havoc, on everybody, right? They would still be due the rights that every other citizen is due, mm-hmm. right? Which is that of due process. To if I'm accused of a crime, to be arrested, charged, and to go through the criminal justice system. I still don't, I still think that even if they were that bad, they would be deserving of the rights that are afforded to every other citizen in that case. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But it's also, that's how, I mean, out here, that is how uh, people who don't live that reality, they justify the police brutality that way because they need it to make sense for themselves, right? This can't happen to me because I'm not a criminal. I don't disobey the law. This can't happen to me. When the truth is- Exactly. That's what I'm trying, that's the point I'm trying to make. And you encapsulated it perfectly, Deanna. Like it is possible that it could happen to you because once the police are emboldened to respond to citizens in a specific way, that there are no bounds. What is keeping them, right, from abusing Mm -hmm. other people? Right. They just haven't reached your doorstep yet. Yeah, that is the and our reality poli- that I think people need. Right. To and our police commissioner. Right. His rhetoric is very dangerous. He's overzealous and his rhetoric about calling um, 
criminal elements, cockroaches, and pests, like referring to people as cockroaches, people who live in certain areas or people who engage in criminal activity, calling them cockroaches and pests. That's so close to what was going on in Nazi Germany before they started exterminating people of color and Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, but when you don't know your history, point. you're doomed to repeat it. And what I'm not going to stand for while I live here, while I have breath in my body and I'm able to make a stand and to say something, I am not going to stand for that kind of rhetoric being spewed without people having all the facts, right? The fact is our system is broken. The fact is our system oppresses people. It's a systemic issue. And if we want a solution, if we don't want the continued criminality that happens in these areas to continue, we have to address the system at the core. You can't say, oh, these areas are hot spot areas because all the people are worthless. We know that's not to be true, right? We know that not to be true. So the criminal element, how are they paying for the drugs and the guns that they're getting? They're Mm -hmm. being funneled in by somebody. Why isn't the government making it a priority to go after those people? Stop picking off the corner boys. The corner boys would have no work if there were no illegal um, guns and drugs, right? Mm -hmm. So let's start at the head. Man, whoever is in corporate or in league with government agencies that's pumping money and drugs into these communities, let's pick him off. Right. When the torch dries up, so too does the crime related to it. Why aren't we talking about that? So the the lady was talking about the lady who I mentioned with her um, post, you know, everybody's a keyboard warrior in 2020. Talking about, oh, the government has programs and they're undersubscribed. Not true. The, the programs that the government has, the um, trade and educational programs that are aimed at these particular communities, I know firsthand that some of them have, have had to close schemes. They've had to let go um, educators because they don't have the funds to keep the programs going, right? Some of them have waiting lists so long Right. But they can't take people for certain programs because they don't have anybody to teach the programs because there's no money to pay people to teach those particular schemes. So let's talk about those kinds of issues. Right. Hmm. Yeah. And that's part of the, the conversation that's coming up out here. I don't know if that's happening in Trinidad is talking about defunding the police in order to put money into those social programs. Right, no, there have been no talks here about defunding the police. I think the the 1% um, and the upper middle class would start packing their bags and leaving if, if people started talking about defunding the police and putting some of those resources into other social programs. The fact is that it, Trinidad has a great number of social programs, right? But they're run inefficiently um, and ineffectively. And I think that's where the lack of resources comes in. There's also an issue with where, I mean, 
And to be fair, we're a very young nation, right? But what happens is, let's say I'm in power right now, right? Rather than build on and improve programs that came before me, I'm going to tear those programs down and put new programs in place so that I can get the political cred for it. Hmm. That is, yeah, that, right? is, that shows you just how there's that disconnect among the actual citizens because, um, so you were, you were mentioning, and I kind of want to make sure that people understand what you're saying, um, that people in different areas this it, the areas are associated to economics, right? So you live in a certain area because you can exactly. afford to live there. You live in other areas because you can't afford to live in, in certain places. Um, what happens though, is that you have people who kind of stay in their own place and they can't see what's going on. Correct. Elsewhere. Correct. Or they only see what, what they don't have any intimate knowledge. Right. So like I have, I can say that I go into the into certain communities and work with certain groups. So I know firsthand that there's been some, you know what I mean? There's foul play on the part of the government with respect to people um, in these communities trying to put things in place to move their communities forward and where um, government entities are working against them right but mm-hmm. a lot of the average middle class uh trini person cannot say that they have spent that kind of time in those communities to know that right so they see what is portrayed on the news right and there's a very biased filter in the news I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it plays into stereotypes, right? Mm -hmm. So that people from these areas are the, and these people are predominantly black, right? Are loud, are aggressive, are gangsters, don't take accountability for their actions, you know, don't take any personal responsibility for their lot in life. Right. And so if they would just act better, speak better, um, take advantage of the opportunities that the government has put forth for them, that everything would be well with them and the police wouldn't have to abuse them. Mm. Right. But I know people who I know so many people who contribute so greatly to our society, who are from these areas. My own husband was raised in Laventil, graduated top of his class from Howard University, summa cum laude. He graduated top of his class from a prestige high school here, um, Fatima College. He's an actuarial analyst, and he's a contributing member of this society. Right. I know um, community activists. I know people who work for um, various foundations. I know people who are accountants and lawyers and doctors, as I said, who come out of these areas. So it is not like everybody is a criminal or everybody comes from a single parent home. Um, And not that 
listen, I come from a single parent home, so I don't particularly think that that should be a mark against anyone, right? But mm-hmm. even factors like that are being used against people. Um, you know what I mean? These single parents. I wanted to speak particularly to that. So in that um, crazy post, the lady was like, these single parents condoning bad behavior from their kids. Um, they need to do better. Deanna, in my work with uh, people in hotspot communities doing training, what I know is that they were also in training, hundreds of them, right, had gone through these um, parenting classes that were offered, right? They seek out resources to better help guide and protect and ensure that their kids are okay, perhaps because they cannot always do materially what they would like for their children. So they want to make sure that they have the emotional and moral support that they need to go out into a world that sees them as less than and and to still achieve, to still do more than society expects of them, mm-hmm. right? So like wow. I know hundreds of parents from hotspot communities who have gone to parenting classes. And I know on the opposite and anecdotally in my own circles and people I've met, I know tons of middle-class bourgeoisie parents who could stand to attend a parenting class or two. (laughs) You know what I'm Hmm. saying? But these, what my point is that these people our pe- are our people, right? And they are trying. They are doing the best that they can do. And when the system is failing to address issues that make their lives harder, and then the rest of us are saying, well, if you just, and if you just, we have to be able to meet them somewhere and say, okay, we recognize that, the system is not working here. Let's fix that issue so that the work that you're doing doesn't fall by the wayside. So many armchair and keyboard warriors um, placing just um, arbitrary blame where they do not know the inner workings of what keeps these communities oppressed. And some of us will say, oh, we don't have, because the police officers are not white and and black and brown people are the majority in Trinidad that the system can't be oppressive. Do we have no knowledge of our colonial masters and how colonialism worked to keep us enslaved mentally? Like, just because you look like me doesn't mean you are for me. And Mm -hmm. um, so I think we need to be better about embracing all Trinbagonians and working to systemically address these issues, which I think I covered maybe loosely, but let me try to boil them down into a few points, right? things we need to address are one, the stigmatization of people in these areas. 
um, you generally don't have any control over where you live, especially if you have a lack of resources to do better, right? So why would we stigmatize bright contributing members of our society based on where they live, right? So that's one improving the conditions in these areas so there's no need for stigmatization, right? So meaning that the government is going to the source of the problem and cutting the cancer out that way. Don't start with the corner boys or the um, petty criminals. Start with the people who are providing the funding um, for this illicit activity. Cut it out at that level and we won't have to deal with it on the grassroots level because it will be relatively um, less pervasive, right? So, so there's mm-hmm. that. Making sure that the resources provided for people to supposedly help people out of um, socioeconomic depression and oppression are working and effective. One thing I didn't mention was like how some of those schools and programs, the facilities are basically crumbling or whatever. They're having to close because they can't accommodate people in the right way. They don't have the money to fix facilities and or to hire people to run certain schemes. Let's deal with those issues. Right. Um, And that's just for starters. I mean, I think I could say so much more about what needs to be fixed, but let's start with those three. Right. Do away, maybe um, have blind um, interview processes where people don't know where you don't have to put your address right on your resume to be seen or um, blind SEA exams. So when my results are tops, that's all that matters, right? You can't see my address and say, well, um, he scored in the top 1% on the SEA, but he lives in Beetham. And so the family probably doesn't have resources. So we can put somebody who didn't, score as highly in his place because their parents has access to resources and can help our school. Let's cut that shit out. Right. Those are just like a few things we can do to start addressing the bigger. um, Oh, and another thing is to hold the police fucking accountable. Sorry, Deanna. I was really trying not to. (laughs) It's fine. There's adults listening to this. Start holding the police accountable for overreach. It is their job to arrest and charge people, not to kill people dead in the streets before they've had a trial. Right? Let's cut that shit out now. Let the police do their job. We also don't need that kind of insightful, hateful rhetoric that Gary Griffith is peddling about cockroaches and pests. I don't want to hear that. Coming from a person of authority, you are further, he's further um, denigrating and creating stigma around citizens 
who have already been stigmatized. We don't need any of that. If you can't speak positivity, stay quiet and do your job. Which again, I'll reiterate, is to arrest and charge people, not to try and execute people on the streets of Trinidad and Tobago. I said it. I don't care who feels a way about it. I said what I said. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Nice. We definitely need to absolutely, like you said, have have accountability in the police force um, and make sure that everyone in Trinidad feels protected by the police and not targeted. I think this has been a lot for people. Um, They need to digest everything you said because you did hit them with some serious facts. Um, And I think, you know, one of the things from out here, from out in the U.S., I would love to see more balanced coverage of what is going on because, of course, the images that we see are these people are rioting and looting and destroying their own communities and and being a nuisance. And of course, I'm sure you're seeing that as what's happening here in the U.S. So if all all accounts, all media could really have that balanced representation of what is really going on and looking at the root causes of why things are erupting right now around the world then maybe we would actually be able to put these things in place and address those bullet points that you just gave. I thoroughly appreciate you joining this podcast, Michelle. I could, we could talk about this all day because there's, Correct. So, much. <laughs> there's so much to unpeel and, um, you know, really get to, and I'm happy to talk anytime. I'm so, um, glad that you asked to have me. I'm happy to have been here to share my view. And and I encourage you maybe to speak to people who have a differing view. Um, but I'm just saying from what I know and have experienced, um, you know, we, we have some work to do here in Trinidad. Because all Absolutely. Black lives matter, right? All lives matter, yes, right? But that's not necessarily the case until poor Black Lives Matter, ghetto Black Lives Matter, economically depressed Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And just to remind them, if there if there is any any way that they can get in touch with you or get involved in your programs or use your resources, now is the time to share that information. How can they reach out and get involved with either Mam Squared, Carnival Agitators, and everything you have? Going sure. Um, the best way to reach me about anything that I'm doing is, or any of the work that we're doing in communities and that kind of thing, is uh, Michelle M I C H E L E at agitate a g i t a t e dash not a literal sorry just a literal dash not spelled out (laughs) (laughs) um media m-e-d-i-a dot com so that's michelle at agitate dash media dot com michelle with one l perfect and we will add that to the show notes so that people can just access that directly and link over to your sites, your email, your information. Once again, thank you so much, Michelle, for joining the Rant and Rave podcast. We will definitely be hearing from you again soon. I think we're going to need a part two. Thank you so much, Deanna, for having me. Wow. First of all, 
she is doing so much. Her and her organizations have so many resources available for, for people. That's amazing. I'm very, mm-hmm. <laughs> very surprised to hear that they're doing so much for the people of Trinidad. Yeah, absolutely. And she is also so committed to, you know, using her voice. She is not afraid. I mean, it got a little explicit, but she is not afraid to call out the nonsense that she sees happening or the hypocrisy. I think that is very important for people to do. And it's, I I love the parallel. Um, We've been talking to people about what do they think about Black Lives Matter as, you know, what's happening in America from where they're living. And to, to hear her say that people in Trinidad are protesting, standing up for people in black people in America, and then to turn around and be disrespected by the cops in their own country. Wow. I didn't even think mm-hmm. about that. And, and, you know, now I feel like I need to stand up for people in Trinidad. I know, I know the crazy thing is, and we touched on it, you know, offline, um, it's so weird to see how white supremacy reaches into the consciousness of people through generations. I mean, you have people who look like each other, but looking down on each other because of the way that they act and them not conforming to colonial or white supremacist beliefs. That is crazy, but definitely powerful. I know that episode was super long. And so I just didn't want to cut it. She was so great. We could have talked for hours. I think we might just have to do that again. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't blame you. Um, Slavery has a rippling effect that have not ended. Um, We are all still affected wherever we are uh, around the world. That was super duper heavy. Can I please, please rave? Um, Definitely, I want to rave to a Trinidadian artist. So I choose Ataclan featuring Sizzla, and the song is called Don't Blame the Youth. And the ones who get the blame get the blame from misdirected aim. But anyhow, don't blame the youth where I'm from. Blame the ones who set them up.
appropriate. <laughs> right? How appropriate. But also talking about educating the youth, not looking down on people just because of their economic circumstances. I mean, obviously, that is a great pick for our conversation and that interview with Michelle. Yeah. Great pick. We really... Each one teach one. You know I love Etta Klan. No, yes. yes, we know. <laughs> and why not? He's he's a, a prolific artist, um, always conscious, always talking about uh, educating each other and lifting pe- lifting his people up. Um, so definitely, big up yourself, Etta Klan. Um, I, I really want to know. We 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 heard a lot today. I really want to know. Uh, what our listeners think about uh, what's going on in Trinidad. Um, They see parallels to where they live. Um, Is there an issue with um, youth and police where you are, with poverty and um, different uh, views of people from different backgrounds? Uh, What's going on where you are? Absolutely. Drop us a line, leave a comment, but also make sure you are following us. Follow Soka Say So on all social media. Or go to SokaSaySo.com. Follow Dish Chick on all social media. Or go to D-Y-S-C-H-I-C-K.com. And make sure you subscribe to BK Rant and Rave. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>